Welcome to a very special impromptu late night episode of the Yang Gang Roundtable. It is Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. Can everybody hear me okay? Everything going okay on the stream? Looks like I'm okay. Yep. All right. Um, we've got Ariel, Faye, Faye, both Faye's, uh, Sheridan, myself, and our special guest, Ryan the Investor, today, who has, um, he has, uh, you know, the the up up close and personal inside perspective on the events of the whole uh the GameStop casino Wall Street you know Wall Street casino <laughs> that whole thing on un- yeah, unmasking I don't know what, yeah, what do you want to call it that's craze the Wall Street bet craze we're here to talk about yeah. that on a special late night episode of the Yang Yang Roundtable. So yeah. So I I I suppose um Let's start with Ryan, if you could introduce yourself uh, briefly, and then I'll yeah, introduce maybe. what actually started this whole uh, podcast, because it's really interesting. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm just Ryan. I'm a random Yang Gang guy who uh, did some volunteering on the trail all last year and uh, didn't have anything to do, so I decided to teach myself how to trade stocks. And uh, early, or late last year, I caught on to... Uh, the GameStop thesis on Reddit, and I rode that train all the way to today. That's well, really it's interesting. So, to have you. That's that's Thanks. been months coming. Then this this particular situation that we're facing today. Uh, we, years. Yeah, yeah we had a, we uh, had a very good good bit of excited talk before the show started. So if everyone remembers what they were excited to talk about, you know. Uh, so yeah, let me uh, give to our audience what started this whole thing. Wall Street Bets, the Discord channel, got banned from the Discord platform. Uh, Ryan here got uh, thought that it was a, a uh, inappropriate move given how limited the evidence of um, violation there was. However, I'm supporting Discord that they had every right to kick whoever they want off for whatever reason they want, and Discord is who we use. And that's the only position I have with it. I do support Wall Street bets and the communal mass capitalism that we are seeing. Um, but uh, Ryan, if you could please explain the GameStop craze that's going on for the past few months. All right. Uh, so how we got here, uh, does, does anybody have a somewhat of an understanding of what's actually happening today? Because uh, today we've reached kind of a peak with this whole thing. And now, like, the mainstream media has been talking about it. Um, there's been a ton of articles, I'm sure you've seen. I think we all have a different understanding. But yeah, just please give it to us in your own words so we kind of have a canonical understanding to go by for the rest of the show, at least. Got it. Okay. Can I take a so, stab at this? Hold yeah, on. Okay, I want to take a stab at this because I know very little about the stock market. I don't track it because I live in poverty. And so whenever somebody says, hey, you've got to do this, you know, I'm always like, I've got nothing to start with. And then some people told me, oh, you should go to Robinhood and then you'll get a few credits or something, right? So I I will for our audience because most of our audience is at your level, Faye. um, Right. That's what I'm saying. Like Overlay. Um, Let me actually give you, yeah. The stock market is... Uh, sorry, Faye. Uh, do you have a specific question to start with? Well, what I wanted to say was that um, I think that I'm I'm a good person to give you sort of the lay layperson's view about what's going on, and a lot of you know our listeners are probably at my level, and so I'm thinking you know if I should if I tell you where I'm at, 
and then you guys could fill in, you know, more important details. <laughs> well, that's why I was so, going to go ahead and start because I've known you for a bit, Faye. I, I figured that I'd be able to give you a good... Uh, no, what I mean is, let me say what I actually know, okay, based on uh, five to ten minutes, okay, of, of uh, researching what's going on. So I read the article that Ariel sent, and... It explained what a short cell was, which I've been explained the same thing over and over in my life. I've, I've heard this explanation many times, but it doesn't sit well with me, right? So, and I'm a math teacher, <laughs> so I'm guessing it doesn't sit well with most people. Like <laughs> yeah. a short cell, right, set is, is when uh. Uh, the investors actually borrow the stock and they sell it at a high price before they have to buy it back later. And so hopefully when they go to buy it, the price has dropped. And that way they make the the in-between, right? The margin in-between. That's um, exactly which right. Never, okay, mm-hmm. but th- this is very counterintuitive because most people think of an item as something you buy, right? And then you sell it. You can't, you can't sell well, something you don't is, own you and it. then you buy it later. <laughs> the, the thing with short selling is you are buying an item. You're buying the future drop in price. Yes, and that's what I you're mean, purchasing. I know you want to explain it to me, but I'm just saying that this explanation is not satisfactory to the average person because oh, I, I can't agree. go. You know what I mean? Like I can't it, go and sell your house. The whole context of the whole market. Really? The whole market well, is a collection of slips and prices and hearsay that just, fluctuate every day. For for so, just. So what I'm saying is it doesn't feel intuitive to most people because most people don't think of things like a car. I can't go and sell your car if I don't own it. But this is what's happening. It's like somebody's borrowed my car to sell it. And then later, they're going to buy it from me. Because financial markets operate on an extra abstract level. Yes, this extra abstraction Yeah, is is something that's – this is created by rules, right? I I actually do. Rules. I was hoping Ryan would uh, elaborate on this in his canology, uh, but you actually touched on this with the short selling. There yeah, are now so, 91 yeah. million shares of uh, GameStop in theoretical existence, yet only 32 million are actually in financial institutions that can be purchased by the public. So there are okay, three so- times as many demand orders then there are physical shares of the company. So now they're basically at this point, they're like basically selling uh, or they're buying stock that way, doesn't exist. Um, I, I yeah, so, Ryan, are you, are yeah. you Macaulay Kong or is that somebody else? Oh, uh, um, oh man, we got to start I'm all some, over. huh? That's not me. Well, yeah. Oh, that's not know. you. No. Okay. No, no, no that's, no, that's I, not I, me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good to know because no, I'm a different person because that that was that was someone on Twitter arguing with uh, Sheridan, and I just wanted to to see. Okay, so that's not yeah. you. Okay, okay, just making. Yeah, I'm just making else. sure because yeah, that that whole thing was going on, and they were asked to like come in and talk, but something happened. So it's not you. Okay, just good to know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, we're we're trying so, to figure out. Um, okay, so so basically, what's happened now is that a GameStop, you know, stock was. Shorts was being short sold, had a lot of people short selling it. And so yeah. the yeah. on Reddit, people, other people decided we're not going to let them, you know, tank the stock by um, short selling. We're going to go ahead and buy, you know, the stock and keep raising the price of it. Is that, yeah, so, does that sound about right? 
that's that's uh in a nutshell that's that's somewhat accurate so i'm I'm glad you brought up short selling because that's basically at the center of why this whole thing is happening to begin with um like today so so last year um gamestop was sitting at a solid four dollars a share and everyone was saying that gamestop was headed straight to bankruptcy right don't buy gamestop shares like avoid it you know like uh don't put any money into it uh the company's going down Today, GameStop uh, closed at over three hundred dollars a share. Now it's sitting at two eighty in the after after hours, right? So how did this happen? How did it go from four dollars a share, uh, looking at bankruptcy, to uh, its share price being higher than Apple's? Right? It doesn't make sense. The reason uh, why the reason we got here is is what you were saying is short selling, but it's not just short selling, right? Because short selling. Uh, if you want to, if you want to short a share, you go to your broker and you're like, uh, I think the price is going down. Um, I want to borrow a share from you so I can sell it at the current price. Let's say it's 20 bucks. And then you have generally maybe three days or so to buy a share back at the market price and give it back to your broker and make him whole. Right? So let's say you sell a share for $20. It goes down to 18. You buy it back for 18. You give it back to your broker. All well and good. The, the way we got into this is because the there's a firm called Melvin Capital uh, founded by a man named Gabriel Plotkin. Uh, Gabriel Plotkin uh, used to work for Stephen A. Cohen, who in 2016 had to settle with the SEC, uh, the Securities, uh, the Security and Exchange Commission uh, for $1.8 billion uh, for securities fraud. 900 million of that was forfeiture and 900 million was a fine. Um, Gabriel Plakin himself has been convicted of securities fraud in the uh, Hong Kong exchange market. Um, in any case, uh, Melvin Capital was the big firm that primarily decided to look at GameStop, uh, a company that was coming off of the end of a very long console cycle and the, uh, the you know gradual decline of brick and mortar. And they say, okay, well, GameStop is, uh, I think it was like 40 or $50 a share when they decided to start shorting it. GameStop is a company that we think is going to go out of business. So why don't we help it go out of business and make money on the way down? So normally, if you are uh, theoretically having a market decide uh, whether or not GameStop is going to go down or not, right? People are holding the share and they'll sell it to each other, right? Or they'll buy them from each other. If you think that you know GameStop is okay or it's going to go up um, and it's like twenty dollars, you know slowly by buying it at or above that price you'll raise the price if you think it's going down you'll sell your shares for a bit less and that will tank the price what melvin capital did which has been illegal since 2008 financial crisis is they did something called naked short selling that's when you go to your broker and you borrow a share but you and the neither you or the broker make sure that you can have that share in your custody so what happens is you essentially generate a share that doesn't exist and you you short it, you sell it, and that creates uh, a pressure, a selling pressure that isn't supposed to exist. Uh, because, like Sheridan was saying, I think you used a, you pulled the number like ninety million shares sold short. There's more there's more selling pressure in shares than the company actually uh, issued for people to own. And so what that means is uh, they got the price all the way down from forty or fifty dollars uh, to four dollars. And um, I think in hold on. Yeah. Just one minute. So this is something sure. that happens to more companies than GameStop. Other, oh, yeah. this, this has happened to other companies this, before. This is actually what I really want to touch in after we cover the basic chronology is a new industry that Wall Street bets could 
actually turn into an entire stock brokerage level company if they have actual guts, balls, and leadership. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so they they managed to put a bunch of selling pressure uh, on the, the shares of GameStop, and at the same time. Uh, spread they they use their connections with the media and, and other analysts like uh, Citron um, to spread news and say oh you know GameStop's going out of business this that and the other uh, well last year in 2020 in March uh, GameStop actually began to pivot they began to do a turnaround uh, for their business um, they added the former president of Nintendo Reggie Fiamme to their board um, and they began to come up with a new strategy. Um, you, sometime around that time, uh, there was a redditor. Uh, his username was Deep Fucking Value. Uh, he's a securities analyst, and he streams on Twitch uh, by the handle Roaring Kitty. And at that time, he was like, he posted a really good analysis of how GameStop wasn't actually in as much trouble as people were saying it was in. Like its financials weren't that bad. They have like only five hundred million debt. They're actually taking in a lot more revenue than people are assuming. Uh, their leases are really short term, so they have a lot of mobility as far as not being stuck uh, holding a bunch of worthless real estate. And so they can actually make a really good pivot. Right? There's a lot of factors in play that make GameStop way worth way more than its valuation of $4 a share. Oh, at the time, he put a $60,000 bet. Yeah, at the time, he put a $60,000 bet on that. And every single month, he would post uh, to Wall Street Bets his update on on how he was doing. At times, he was down um, 50% to $30,000. Um, mm-hmm. Fast forward to d- d- today, I think he's worth, his account has gone from $60,000 all the way to like $72 million, something yep. like that. Um, but uh, the reason why, right. yeah. Um, but the reason why this price action was allowed to happen uh, is because when you have that many, like, so when you look at a, there's a few numbers you look at when you're, when you're, judging the price of a stock and the 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 number that matters the most uh in this particular situation is that short interest that that sheridan alluded to earlier where he was saying that three times the amount of shares sold short um in this case uh, than exist a lot of analysts or investors will tell you that 30 percent of the interest being sold short is already a lot so now we're anywhere from 138 to 300%, which is astronomical, right? Um, so this, this Wall Street Best community picked up on this uh, and really got behind it late last year because everyone started to finally really do the math and like see the effect of this and start to buy. So in December, it went from $12 to $20. Uh, January, it jumped to 40 and, and now we're here in record time. And the reason is because... Uh, if you are shorting and let's say you're shorting and you're borrowing shares at $4 and you're trying to short it down, um, you know, at that time, because the difference between the short price and, uh, you know, the, the price movement is not that like, it's, it's not moving. It's not going up or down. Melvin capital could have just bought a bunch of shares to close out their position, uh, relatively cheaply, right? They could have gotten out of that situation. But as soon as Reddit started buying and raising the price, instead of taking a loss, uh, Melvin Capital uh, doubled down on that position and started shorting even more aggressively. And so they started borrowing shares at $4 and then not repaying them even after it had gone up to $12 and then continuing that from $12 to $16 to $20, so on and so forth, and building themselves into a mountain of uh, more and more debt. 
And that's the real key there, is this snowballed because an institution got institutionally ballsy. I am all for letting capitalism reign, but we have let neoliberalism reign for so many decades that you kind of do have to have uh, government support in some areas. Uh, I, Melvin Capital actually filed for bankruptcy today, uh, but they aren't exactly folding. They're actually transferring most of their uh, capital into a new company with no liabilities. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> so, so I love the short-selling industry that is propping up because it can be a great force for capitalistic good. But right now, like you were alluding to uh, earlier, people are really hurting and need this cash. So uh, financial bubbles aren't exactly going to be the uh, Hail Mary that uh, most people are putting this on to be. Um, so I'm not making any claims about like what this what this particular. Oh, I'm not. Is. I'm not alluding to you. Are I'm saying most of the Twitter and Reddit community are because holy crap, this thing has exploded. Right. Right. Um, well, yeah, um, I what I was reading was saying that uh, it seemed like you know once the stock price keeps going up and it never seems to be coming back down, then the, those who did the short sell are put into pressure to. Um, you know, try to get out of that that position well, that they're in, and try to buy it back before it goes up even more, and they're going to be in. Having that's why I talk about loss. the institutional ballsiness. Is uh, this is the breakdown between theoretical capitalism and operational capitalism? Uh, the way the stock market physically works is individual brokerages will have a balance sheet of what everyone owns and what all the accounts are, and then they will have a bank account with all the money that everyone has given them to actually buy these shares into these companies, generally through IPOs or other more balance sheet uh, transactions with other financial brokerages. However, these financial brokerages can't actually have a bank run happen on them or else you're going to see prices crash and people be left with an empty bag. They aren't banks. Their money isn't guaranteed. So basically, um, this is what's leading to the government wanting to bail out the the hedge funds that are losing a huge amount of money right now because uh, it's not just the hedge fund managers that lose their money. It's uh, the other people who – it's all the people who are participating in it. Um, so I got to um, – I have to actually interject and give a few more details. Uh, the first thing okay. is I would disagree that uh, this is a matter of institutional ballsiness. Uh, because uh, naked short selling um, has been illegal since 2008. If the SEC, so, if the government is complaining about something being wrong or out of control now, uh, it's actually, it's completely their fault because uh, Melvin Capital has been operating illegally uh, for probably years uh, on this trade and, and maybe more trades like it. Um, I agree. And there's several short sold uh, companies that are like this that are seeing similar skyrockets because of WSB. And this is where I think WSB has a market niche that they could absolutely capitalize on and truly turn into a force for capital good. But I doubt that they have the leadership or guts to do so. Well, if the they, problem is not leadership or guts. Um, the whole thing behind Wall Street Bets, as I understand it, is that they are a bunch of uh, people who don't take themselves too seriously. 
uh, they refer to themselves with the words uh, autists and retards. And uh, even though most of the time they post really good research and due diligence, um, they just generally like to have fun. And uh, having some kind of centralized leadership, one, is they, they don't like that. Uh, when, when they try to make a Wall Street Bets Twitter account, the entire community overwhelmingly pressured the mods to take it down because they didn't want to have an identity. They didn't want to be a hedge fund. They just wanted to stick to the, uh, the engine that made them successful, which is using crowdsourcing to figure out what the best data was um, and, and act on it, right? And, and uh, It's actually it's legal re- activity. So what you're legal. saying is yeah. the people who participated in that Wall Street bets uh, Reddit were doing things legally, whereas the hedge fund managers legally. were doing yeah. illegal things and not being... Uh, called out for it not by the just illegal things are- I, I do want to i do want to place a clear definition here they were doing things against market forces though that's beyond illegal that's unnatural <laughs> yeah okay. i have some questions i need to yeah. ask at yeah. this point i'm just sure like, you guys um because a lot of this lingo is very new to me in the first place but um so when it comes to uh, government wanting to just instantly jump in and do something right now to be like, oh, uh, this is wrong. Um, so what does that look like? What are they going to probably try to it, do or doing? Really, or I'm so confused. Like, what what is the um, interjection that they will be probably pursuing over this? It really so, depends on who has the government's ear. It could be... Yeah bankers pulling more uh, weight and domain of financial markets to them. It could be investors pulling more uh, freedom and uh, luxury to create massive companies with massive debts and just offload them on markets. Or it could be a heavy, heavy regulation of uh, hedge funds that result in a lot of uh, insolvency. One one interesting answer to your question uh, is is this. Um, actually, uh, sorry, sorry I'll, I'll answer the question directly. Uh, if you're talking about the government intervening, if the government wanted to prevent something like this from ever happening again, all they would have to do is enforce uh, or punish people for illegally short selling. Um, the only reason we're, we're talking about this right now is because they had years to go after Melvin Capital for illegally short-selling GameStop, and they never did, right? They just didn't care. Because for them, it's like, well, you know, I'm sure we all know, like, uh, you know, big dollar donors get uh, political influence. And a lot of these times, like Melvin Capital, for example, uh, a lot of these hedge funds, you have to have wealth uh, to have your money managed by them, right? They get a lot of good returns because they have the benefit of being able to use the media, they have the benefit of insider trading, uh, so on and so forth, right? They don't like people operating on their turf. That's but insider how... trading again is illegal, technically. Uh, yes. But yes, always, I mean, it's happening, but it's very difficult unless, to unless catch. You're, unless you're a res- representative, unless you're a government, uh, unless you're like a house representative, and I believe a senator, yeah. It's oh, illegal. it's okay for senators to, to insider yeah, trade. Yeah, they do have wow. some absolutism mm-hmm. powers with that. It, it, it is really <laughs> uncanny. <laughs> Yeah, so there, there's a lot of issues here, but the underlying is um, if the if if the laws were actually enforced on these people, we would never be seeing what we're seeing now. And one thing that I have to touch on, 
yeah, one thing that I have to touch on is that uh, one, uh, there's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing when it comes to um, the market uh, interacting in this way with companies, right? Because when GameStop, if, if the narrative is that GameStop is failing, right? And a company or in a hedge fund rather is illegally naked shorting their, their stocks down to zero or to zero or almost like, or $4. Um, that company actually has a lot less options to get out of debt, right? Cause one thing that companies can do to pivot, um, to get out of debt is, uh, they can sell shares, right? If their shares are only worth $4, that, that kind of sucks. Um, so they one of the things that you could their, see uh... as a re- so I just want to interject, they can also use their uh, company value as collateral to restructure their debt. Yes. Um, and so now that uh, the share price of GameStop has run up um, due to these market forces, these mechanics, they actually are in a really, really good position to uh, to actually get themselves out of debt and to, and to pivot their company. So a lot of the times, like, people will say that short sellers have an important uh, role in the market. And in some cases, I would agree because there are some people that label themselves as activist short sellers. Most of now them do selling billions of dollars. I would disagree there. <laughs> right. So I would say that most of them are totally fraudulent. Um, theoretically, they have a place in the market um, to to short, you know, uh, fraudulent companies. But usually, it's the kind of the opposite. Um, I do. So, have- yeah. Oh, sorry, I do want to also highlight uh, one thing that GameStop did, which they do need to take credit for is they took on another board member from the company Chewy. It was an online pet uh, retailer. And that is definitely a great sign that shows that the company is trying to pivot from physical brick and mortar, which is just costly overhead, to an online presence, which is much more efficient uh, for acquiring capital. Yeah, Um, so... Yeah, sorry. So I wanted to ask something, which is... uh, you know, maybe what about the uh, possibility of just a simple bailout? They don't do any rule changes. They don't go after anybody. They just say, oh, well, you know, <laughs> they're strapped for cash. You know, somebody's going to who, who um, you know, is going to lose a lot of money. So we'll just give them money. Do you think that could happen? So I think that could happen. And that would be very unfortunate. One, I, because... I, don't, think it'd be, I don't think it'd just be unfortunate. I think Every single member of Wall Street Bets should grab a gun and get in the streets at that point. Oh, wait. <laughs> it takes oh, less than 24 hours for a single hedge fund who made a fuck-up with their money on financial markets to Not get billions of dollars specifically for them, and every American gets left out in the cold for months. It would be literal ignition of revolution for our country. Yeah. So I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, Faith. Um, I don't mean to be so dramatic. Want... But that's what that would signify to me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just got to say, um, Melvin Capital was not just playing with their money. They're playing with their money that their clients invested with them in their portfolio. Right. And so that would be one argument with a bailout to which I say too bad because uh, you invested your money with somebody who, if you did your research, you would know have been convicted of securities fraud and worked for a firm that was famously fined by the SEC uh, also for fraud, right? So if you put your money with a fraudster and they lose it uh, doing something incredibly stupid, then sorry, but that's on you, right? If I, as an individual investor, if any of us as an an individual investor go on Robinhood and we make a really dumb trade um, and we lose all of our money, 
there, it's cold hard capitalism for us, and it is socialism for hedge funds and Wall Street. Yeah, right. That's the thing. It's it's like uh, you know, we lose, we lose, but when they win, we don't see anything. It's not yeah, just that; it becomes incredibly is- systemic. It becomes a precedent, right? Where if you want to have easy, free money with the full force of the U.S. government, you have to fill out mm-hmm. probably a few dozen forms, and you have perfect immunity with you and a few friends to do whatever right. you want across the entire world with American dollars. It would fracture our entire currency fracture what it means to be america we have have an economy that has like cheat codes in it that's that's basically what it boils down to i mean you want to talk about video game cheat codes when you put on a mod or you put on infinite health and infinite ammo it's just like hey let me uh, no i have i have the u.s government cheat i have the congress cheat that's the best cheat ever i can't lose it's like you know so so i don't even see how this this is great but but it's like like when they like that's the thing socialize the losses and privatize the profits so that's that's the definition of cheating it's like oh this guy came into the casino but he was already rich so all yeah. you other small people who won a whole bunch of money in this casino you have to give it up to him because that guy was already rich when he started gambling so that's like basically everybody who gave money to Jeffrey Epstein should just lose their money too bad because you shouldn't have given it to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, about for Bernie? us again, like if, if I trust somebody to invest my money and they turn out to be a fraudster, right? I could sue them, but then, you know, I have that money for a lawyer, this, that, and the other, right? If, if we, if we give our, our money to someone to invest and they, and they screw us over, they lose our money generally we're we're hung out to dry right we don't have the government to protect us scam, so, if you get love scammed if you get uh stock uh, stam- scammed if you get scammed out of any house and home from from uh you know some sort of a you know uh a nursing home scam i mean there's all kinds of scams out there that's medical scams criticism of like robin hood and these other uh app trading firms is that they are dark pools that are largely not federally backed so if you do want to uh trade at least trade with an official brokerage that has federal insurance okay so i don't know i had heard good things about robin hood i never actually went ahead and did it it just seems complicated but fdic is only for like savings accounts and like checking accounts yeah but you do get a lot more guarantees with fidelity than you do with robin hood so I have more questions. Um, so we we recognize there's been criminal activity, and we recognize what's going to happen as a pro- high probability if they don't take action on this. How how would they even go about uh, finding the people who uh, did the illegal activities? It's pretty obvious, honestly. So I it's mean, an my, easy. They you, they you literally. You literally have to fill out forms to the government telling you what stocks you are purchasing and selling, especially in million bulk. And that's what these naked short sales were. Million bulk sales. So, yeah, and I, I've noticed that the, what, the story that you just told us, right? As a, somebody who, uh, were you ever part of this Reddit community, Ryan? I, yes, yes, I was. Okay, so like the story that you're telling us is so different 
I think, than what the general media has been portraying it as. And then when you go on Twitter, you know, people get, what, 70-something characters or something to say something. And so most people just express a feeling that they have. It's very difficult to really, um, you know, get the idea of what's really happening unless you get somebody, um, you know, to tell the story, like the real story. And so we really appreciate you coming out here to to do that today. And you made it... Yeah, yeah, you made it seem like uh, something that was very, like, you said it was a timely matter that we had to know about these things right now. And there was a reason for that. So why did we need to convene today to talk about this Uh, instead of waiting for, you know, Sunday or something (laughs) like that? Uh, Well, one of the things is, uh, I think Sheridan was referencing earlier, that there was a possibility that the government would, um, you know, spend taxpayer money to help the shorts unwind from their position. Um, because, uh, I mean, again, I'm not a financial advisor. Um, I am a very new trader myself. I managed to make a decent amount of money off of this, uh, very mathematically predictable event. Um, indeed very mathematically predictable. And I do want to lean heavy for our audience that this was a game of math. There were only so many uh, shares available and there was so much ambition by this hedge fund that broke all rules of supply and demand and threw the graph completely out of whack. The reason we use economics and math to figure out this is because sometimes it is really, really clear in the math. Yep. So, so if you're actually an yeah. investor right now, what are some dangers that you might need to watch for or, uh, you know, opportunities that you might be watching for, depending so on how the government plays out? Yeah. Um, so currently, the numbers show that the price of this share is going to continue to rise um, and it's probably going to pop off logarithmically uh, pretty soon. However, um, there is always the possibility of what we call in investing a black swan event which is an event that uh, is negative for the market and is completely unpredictable. And uh, that could involve the government uh, stepping in to halt trading on the share to let, uh, to let the, uh, the short side of the trade, the, the uh, hedge funds and stuff like that, sort out their balance sheets, make backroom deals to, uh, with the brokers to, uh, um, to get out of that position. And then um, if that were to happen, uh, you know, then a lot of, like Sheridan was saying, if that were to happen, a lot of uh, retail investors, uh, a lot of uh, uh, investment firms or hedge funds on the on the other side of the trade, the long side, would be left holding shares, and uh, there would be no uh, short uh, short interest pressure to keep the price going up. Um, I don't know how likely that is to happen. Um, I don't think the government has ever stepped in like that before, but you never know. It would be truly, truly unprecedented. And when I say truly unprecedented, I do have to remind our audience, in 2008, the government gave $4 trillion to banks so that they wouldn't have insolvency on bad mortgages. And they kicked out millions of people in that same year, while in 2020, the worst economic crisis we've ever had, you got $1,800 for an entire fucking awful year and millions are evicted without jobs and without health care so there is a power that is broadly unbalanced that's well below the four billion dollars total i mean four trillion dollars total that they had uh used for the bailout before but uh then again they they spent a lot of money on you know 
<laughs> large corporations again this 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 past year. So don't, we were just a small it price a small of business that owner. It's it's been brutal <laughs> trying to get just ten thousand measly dollars to keep the lights on. <laughs> and they were they were talking so much uh, good stuff about their small business administration loans. <laughs> but it was it's been very difficult for many small businesses to actually capture some of that. Uh, that's an understatement to say the least. It's been difficult for individuals to even capture their own stimulus checks. We have people on our podcast who have never received theirs. And um, like me. what's funny is when you do the math, <laughs> it it was the entire CARES Act and the second stimulus was intended to give every American around thirteen to $28,000, every single American, depending on your situation. Mm-hmm. And they could have just given us $2,000 a month and bit the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so uh, given, you know, the volatility of everything, you know, uh, I find that interesting, though, as a, you know, non-stock trader and somebody who just, you know, kind of stands on the sidelines a bit. Uh, GameStop, I don't know why anybody would think that they would tank right this minute. Um, I, I mean, it seems that if you were at home and there were no new video game consoles coming to the United States and you've been waiting for, you know, <laughs> a year for the, you know, the, what is it? The new Wii to come out? The PS5 is, is what the, the PS5 is. What about the, I mean, Animal Crossing was a, was a big thing. But there yeah, are no more consoles. You can't cycle. even buy them. That was that was at right. the beginning of 2020, and Nintendo. I don't know how they managed to get that right when everyone went into isolation. They made a killing. But the months. But after what I mean that, is, I've wanted an Animal Crossing and the console that it runs on, and they there aren't any. You can't actually buy any. So so there are no I new mean. consoles. It was for spectacular because the months <laughs> following that. Most video game companies actually stopped putting out their uh, releases. They are still holding out for the uh, spring of this year to start releasing their games because they're waiting for people to have money and confidence in buying an entertainment system. Look, if you're at home or and your children are now at home during the pandemic and there's nothing you can do that is socially distanced, right? That you can't take them out and do certain things. We don't even go to playgrounds anymore with the kids, right? Uh, Video gaming has got to be a big part of a lot of people's lives, even more so than ever. And so GameStop, who trades in old systems and old games, must be doing great as far as I'm concerned. So obviously to me, like, I don't see why their stock would uh, fail right now. If anything is going forward right now, it would be video gaming. (laughs) Well, Especially like, like Ryan games. was mentioning, this well, was... You, you can also you know, buy video games at, like, Best Buys and stuff, this, so... This was yeah. massive but and... They easy. only have new games. That's the thing, is GameStop has cornered the market on used games, used consoles, used, you know, I, and that's I what's a, available a, now. You don't have, have anything really new. Nothing new is coming. They're used okay. games... Um, there's this one Redditor that will actually use GameStop as their bank because GameStops are more prevalent in their town than banks, and he kept getting overcharged with uh, overdraft fees for no reason. So he buys pre-ordered games and then uh, 
cancels them or sells them back to GameStop for cash when he needs to withdraw anything. And he does that with every paycheck. And there's no fee? (laughs) Apparently not. Wow. I I have some questions, actually. Interesting. Uh, regarding um, the whole game systems and uh, stopping the selling and stuff. I I was talking to someone who was looking for a, a new game system and uh, somebody had bought up a bunch and charged hundreds more for these game systems. Is this not another way to, to scam people out of even more money? Is this not it, something... It depends on what your definition of scam is because there is a fine line between hyperinflation and normal yearly growth. If someone is charging for a very vintage or unique or artistic high value item, then that's technical skill. If someone is mass producing something and selling it for thousands of dollars ridiculously, then they're price gouging. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think what's or hoarding sounds more like the right <laughs> like yeah. grab them all and then sell them for uh, the be- more money, you know. Make yeah, I think scared. that's what Faye was uh, was talking about. Was uh, people uh, at, th- at this point people use uh, a lot of times bots to buy like you know Yeezys or other limited year like Supreme stuff. Uh, you know anything that's in demand, um, people will use yeah. uh, bots to buy it up. Uh, at the beginning of COVID, actually, it was uh, webcams that became super expensive, and you can get them anywhere because people were buying them up and they were scalping them. Um, so I think, uh, I think that's what Faye was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big thing. I think that's what Faye was uh, asking about. Um, but yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with, uh, GameStop in particular. Yeah. That, that's uh, not, that's not financial markets. That's just people being greedy. That, um, that's so, kind of what this all boils down to is people are being greedy and they're trying to get money out of other people and they're trying to well, it's at manipulate a different scale. and demands. And it's at a different scale. You're manipulating a market rather than a group of people. Okay. So, so uh, the market is kind of made of people. <laughs> so what happens is when, um, when Melvin Capital, uh, when Melvin Capital shorted GameStop all the way from 40 or $50, down to four dollars, right? Um, mm-hmm. They could have stopped there, and they could have been like, "Okay, we win." When you're shorting, yeah. let's say you're shorting a stock down from forty to four, that's a big difference in price, right? That's a lot of profit you mm-hmm. can make along the way. Shorting that's from huge. four to zero is barely anything. So mm-hmm. the so there's no good reason to do that unless you actually want to bankrupt the company and put forty five thousand people out of a job, right? Um, so there's an element of uh, you know, uh, there is greed, obviously, on the investor side, the long side. Uh, people like myself, uh, we see a unprecedented, um, you know, math supported opportunity to make a bunch of free money. And obviously, yeah, there's there's a problem right there, right? There's there's no there's no point pretending that you know we're doing this just for justice, right? It's paying off really really well. Um, it, it, but, it is, but it's also for justice. Like a hedge yeah. fund dumped billions and billions into a short, doubled down on that short when it failed, and yeah. have just consistently made the wrong choice every step of the way. Companies yeah. are I given it, opportunities. Yeah. yeah, I find it, but I find it great that, you know, gamers. Uh, probably Reddit was filled with a lot of people who do games. <laughs> and that's how they were also. Yeah, and they and it's like they rallied around a company that they actually do believe in. Uh, otherwise, they yeah. wouldn't have bothered to buy it. And so, yeah. um, so that's why people are feeling like it's kind of people against the big, 
the big, rich, wealthy, you know, billionaires who are the players in the hedge fund world. Uh, yeah. Do do average normal people also participate in hedge funds? I mean, because um, once no. you get past that barrier of that abstraction. No. So no. what average people will participate in is ETFs, indexes, or at best, mutual funds. You can find can't plenty you... great mutual funds that will never, ever dip into major hedges. Hedges can't are you... for extremely wealthy people. Okay, but can't you also buy a? Um, can't you also short short anything as a as a single you know person, just playing with a little tiny bit of money? You can, and that's actually the initial purpose of hedges and hedge funds. Hedge funds were for uh, highly specialized firms so that they could hedge against bad market uh, forces such as rapid technological innovation. The dot-com bubble is really what made hedge funds a popular investment vehicle. And, and so uh, individuals like who don't have a lot of money can also short a single stock and even do it maybe on a daily basis, be a tr- day but, trader, be doing yeah. that. So I, I just want to say um, shorting okay. is a very dangerous play to do, especially in like right now we are in what would be considered a bull market, which is where prices are going up. So if you for shorting anything is just dangerous um, because you make a profit and then if it, if it goes up a lot, you have theoretically unlimited losses on your trade. Um, so yeah. it's only something that you do if you're really, really confident, like Michael Burry was uh, in, when the housing market crashed. Um, and, uh, and for most people, it doesn't pay off, right? Yeah, um, for a lot of for our audience, yeah. the math behind shorting is you can only gain double the amount of money you put in, but you can lose everything and then some, whereas buying a stock normally is the opposite. People can get all kinds of interest in a stock and pile into the moon, but you can only lose what you've put in. So an average normal person wouldn't want to play shorts. No. An average normal person, you want to find companies you believe in, companies that you buy all the time, or companies that you are particularly interested in and know about. And you can build your own portfolio and then add ETFs or indexes. Well, that's a thing that I, I, I assumed all of this before I got to know Jacqueline. <laughs> so I kind of wish you were here to be able to talk about how she trades, but... Uh, and she is not a very wealthy person. So um, so I just think it's interesting that uh, we have these, uh, all of these sort of abstractions in our stock market and that they prevent like the average normal person from understanding uh, what's happening very well. And then, uh, you know, that alone creates a burden that, you know, it creates a division between people who can and people who can't really, uh, you know, receive the gains from such so, um, difficult to understand, yeah. you know, things. So I just wanted to um, say two things. Um, mm-hmm. One thing is this. Um, when I started investing, um, I was also in a situation where uh, just a few weeks ago, I was considering which one of my uh, essential pieces of equipment I would have to sell to make it through. Um, and that was one of the reasons I decided to start investing. Um, I want to give a shout out to the Dumb Money uh, group. Um, they, they have a form of investing called social arbitration, which is where essentially it's just pay attention to the world, look at things that you'll notice before the suits at wall street, um, and make smart, smart 
uh, investments, right? And they also are support like, well, you know, uh, once you start thinking of a dollar as potentially being a hundred dollars, you will find money to invest, right? No matter what mm-hmm. your situation is, like you will find money to squirrel away. Um, in any case, um, uh, the other thing is too, we're all Yang gang. And uh, the reason why a lot of people that kind of know more about the markets are out for blood right now against Melvin Capital and pushing GameStop is because nobody likes shorts. Um, because one of, the, one of the nice things about the whole Yang Yang philosophy was the idea of abundance mentality, right? You grow everything instead of knocking everything down, right? And so why, why would you, what? Shorting is truly against that, like in, oh, in its yeah. capitalist yeah. nature, is a, it wants companies to fail. Yeah. Well, it reminds I mean, me short, of, yeah. that reminds me of a situation where a, co- a corporation can take out life insurance on their own managers. It, it you know, it feels <laughs> like you're kind of betting on them. You know, like well, if they die, you know, we'll still make money. Yeah. <laughs> Just really doesn't yeah. seem like a very human human sort of thing to do and then it's like not the widow doesn't get the money the family doesn't get the money the corporation does right because they they're missing their manager very strange yeah so So. i actually there's also another thing i thought of that was very very important um Mm. is that uh one of the ways a lot of people took advantage of this opportunity and started with very little money and some became millionaires um is they used options uh, which is an investment tool to get more leverage out of their money for more risk. Um, so isn't the, option, dangers, isn't the option yeah. the same thing as you can put an option that's uh, that's positive or negative? There's a put and a call. Yes, um, but the the main the main reason I'm bringing it up is it's mm-hmm. one of the ways that uh, investors that don't have a lot of money can get leverage on that money and actually build a significant amount and uh, have some class mobility. And one of the so dangers, that's actually what Jacqueline used to talk about was the options. Yeah. That's what she trades in. Yeah. So can you tell us how is that different than a regular trade? Um, sure. But the, for, the reason I brought it up and actually one mm-hmm. of the reasons I think it was important for me to come onto this, this show and actually talk about it is because mm-hmm. Wall Street doesn't like, like the big boys don't like to lose control of the game, right? And if you look at uh, a lot of these media pieces about what's happening, instead of blaming Melvin Capital for illegally naked shorting and creating this once-in-a-lifetime situation, they're saying things like uh, retail investors having access to options and investing irresponsibly is what created the situation. One of the dangers mm. of, of one of the dangerous um, potential outcomes of this situation is that Wall Street could lobby for reforms, uh, just like how you can't do uh, day trading if you have less than 25 grand in your account. They may do similar restrictions for options. They may require you to have uh, extra collateral, more liquidity in your account than most people can afford. Um, They may just make it much harder for a small investor to work their way up. That's one of the biggest dangers uh, politically of of this event. It really is. That's that's exactly what uh, Jacqueline used to complain about was she would say that she was limited from trading, um, you know, as a day trader because she didn't have enough money to play ball with the big, with the big, you know, the pattern big day boys. trade rule. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I fight certain... so hard for the monthly cash because we need to make every American a big player in our capitalist game. If we want to call ourselves a capitalist nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she said that um, she so... was limited by how many times she could day trade in, 
per per day yes. or per week, whereas the big Absolutely. boys did, were not did not have to follow those rules. Yes, and and there's so, a whole rabbit hole of other advantages, but yes. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about how options are different from just regular trades? Yes, so I'm going to totally steal Dumb Money's example of this. Um, okay. So imagine like you live in a town and you overhear that uh, a baseball stadium is going to be built very close to and below a neighborhood, right? And so the, na- the houses in that neighborhood, their property value is about to go skyrocket because they essentially can look out the window into the game. They have great seats, like they have a great view, this, that, and the other. And so you want to make a profit off of this, but you only have, uh, let, let's say you have like a, you know, a hundred grand or so, right? So you can't possibly buy all 10 or 20 houses in the neighborhood, let's say tenant houses. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can do is you can go knock on the door and you can talk to the homeowner and you can be like, Hey, um, I'll pay you $10,000 right now. And in exchange, you give me the right to purchase your house at the current market value, um, for until six months from now. Right. So the homeowner says, sure, of course, you know, he doesn't know that the, uh, that a baseball stadium is being built and his property value is going to go up. So he takes the 10 grand and, you know, you, you part ways. Um, a few months later, the baseball stadium has been announced and the property values double. You go back to that homeowner and uh, you say, hey, I paid you 10 grand. Um, I get to buy your house at what is now half of the current market value. And that's kind of what options are. Um, so when you purchase an option, you're paying a fraction of the value uh, of, the, of the share um, up front to be able to purchase 100 of them at the current price or to sell 100 of them at the current price. Um, so it's, it's very little risk up front um, compared to just buying 100 shares. Um, to use an example uh, from my own trades, BlackBerry recently made some price action. I bought a I bought a contract for BlackBerry uh, when it was about seven dollars a share, and that contract cost me twenty seven dollars. It was a call contract for twenty seven dollars. So for paying twenty seven dollars upfront um, for a few months, um, I got the right to purchase BlackBerry shares for uh, seven dollars each. If I were to just purchase a hundred shares of BlackBerry, um, that would be seven hundred dollars at the time. Um, so BlackBerry since then went so up to eight, nine, long, or $10. Yep. Yep. As, as long as the, the price goes above what you had uh, optioned it for, then you'll make money and you can actually do it without putting your own money in. Like you just instantaneously get the gain, but if it loses, uh, money, well, yes, I mean, if it's lo- losing, not money, but losing the, the stock price, the, the stock price is going down and it's actually below yes. $7 then what would happen? Um, then you can lose up to the $27 in my, in my example that I put in. Right. So that's it. Like, let's say all you lose is uh, all you lose is that $27. If you are buying a call, if you're buying, if you're paying for a contract to be able to purchase a hundred of a share, all you stand to lose is the premium that you put in. And a lot of people, and this is part of the, the whole institutional messaging that, that they try to make trading scary. They say, Oh, you can lose your entire investment. Well, it's true. Yes, you can lose your entire investment. But in that case, it was $27 to give me control over 100 shares, which would have cost me $700 if I was just buying them outright. And so that, that's 27 Yes. Well, uh, for a period of time, you have the option to do something with them. Um, so because it went up, I ended up selling that contract for $500 uh, within mm-hmm. a few weeks. So if why? Put, yeah. So yeah. 
why why would why would do these things exist at all because they're they're just so counterintuitive like i can well, control you you know a hundred shares without having to actually own them why would i balance, do that their balance sheet advantages for companies the reason that company does anything is cuz the house always wins most people <laughs> will lose out and never actually take up their option so they just uh, pay the company to have that contract the company mm-hmm. gets to keep all the shares and all the money that it gets paid that's why it exists okay so but, uh, so when when the time of the option comes right you you have the option it there's a specific time at which the option ends is that yes. true so, there's, so at that so moment like, yeah. the the stock never changes hands you just get money or you lose money so there's yeah. a few things you can do with an option. You can either mm. sell the option back to somebody else as it gains or loses mm-hmm. value, which for a uh, for someone like myself that started with very little money, that was the way I built my account, right? Because the other thing you can do with an option is at any time you can exercise it, meaning you can um, you can make good on the contract. I had a contract to buy 100 shares at $7 a share. If I had 700 bucks, I could have exercised it and then I could have done whatever I wanted with those shares. Um, mm-hmm. So one other thing that they could do potentially is be like, okay, well, you know, you're only allowed to exercise options and then sell the share. You can't just sell the contract. That would, that would make options completely worthless as a form of, um, uh, of leverage or a way to make money uh, for investors that didn't have a lot of it to begin with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not free money. Like Sheridan was saying, um, for calls, most of them expire what is known as out of the money. They expire worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really have to be sure of what you're doing and make an educated bet. Um, I would personally argue that it is not as difficult as it may seem to make an educated bet. Um, if we were looking at, for example, GameStop, right? Um, this, the public sentiment around GameStop, uh, largely because of media and so on and so forth from investors, uh, was that you know they had they were they were just going to fail. Um, if you were looking at it like now now that we're seeing a lot of really good research um, on on their position even before the stock run up, we saw that they were actually in a really strong position, especially considering um, that we were at the tail end of a long console cycle, right? Um, so like you were saying, not like you were saying, you're someone that's not an investor. Cycle. We're we're entering a new console cycle. Mm-hmm. Correct, but uh, the the bear case has been going for a while. Uh, GameStop was being shorted at the at the tail end of a very long console cycle. True. So um, anyway, uh, but the pandemic, I think, would have you know automatically said to me anything video game related is going up, including that is game, proof, especially yes. GameStop. <laughs> you were right, especially GameStop. So yeah, and you were right, and that's why I wanted to bring mm-hmm. this up. That is proof that um, investing. Uh, smartly is actually a lot more simple than than Wall Street would like to make it out to be, right? One really of the good reasons why these one of the reasons why these hedge funds are so angry is because now a lot of people through this situation, following it closely, are getting very financially educated. They're getting to understand how the markets work, uh, how all these numbers interact together to make profit, and they're realizing, oh, you don't need to uh, give your money to Melvin Capital and sign a uh, uh, sign a contract that says you can't take that money back for three years, right? And you don't need to pay them like percentages and fees and this, that, and the other to invest your money for you. You can do it yourself and you can beat the market consistently. So I will say as amazing as options are as a financial tool, Robinhood and these other trading apps, which uh, give rise to the retail investor name, 
do provide dark pools, which are balance sheet conglomerations of cash. They aren't actually as closely tied to the market and have some delayed action. So you can have some uh, uh, holding the bag priorities uh, with these dark pool uh, institutions. So I do recommend using like official brokerages like Charles Schwab or Vanguard or Fidelity or any of these other ones. Well, just as anything else, um, I think I think somebody said the phrase to me: uh, if the if the if the service is free, then you are the product, right? And so with Robinhood, uh, one of the reasons that like my my I use it is other real brokerages won't approve me for options trading because they would consider it too high risk for me, right? Because of my my uh, net worth and this that and the other. Robinhood doesn't care. They'll approve anyone for it because you know they. I know, and the thing is, is that they'll just accept the uh, balance sheet uh, cash. And if there's any major action, like if the government steps in and says that uh, some gains were actually illegal, which I would be truly uh, astounded if the government did that, then Robinhood is going to be the one that's going to be left with nothing. Yeah, or rather, the Robinhood users. Yeah. Yeah, but, so that's, uh, that's... you know, it sounds like some people really don't have a choice because these large firms are not um, are not. And friendly. that's kind of why Robinhood and these dark pool institutions arose, because the government mm-hmm. really hasn't been doing its job of holding capitalism. It's been just giving money to the rich and saying, fuck all to everyone else. Yeah. So, I mean, so... Uh, for the for the same reason that uh, PayPal has risen, right? It's because we have more and more poor people in the world who are untrusted by the large banks, right? If you don't have money, you can't you can't create money because you're not able to borrow like a wealthy person can. And um, a lot of this stock trading on, you know, borrowed money. <laughs> so and, and like, well, that's where Wall Street bets could really stand up and shine if they actually uh, had guts to pull real centralized leadership together. If they made an actual hedge fund that organized millions of people around uh, fundamental uh, fights against short sellers, they could really make billions for the yes. millions of people you, behind them. But you know, so- and, and the people who have tons of money, they don't lose it because these hedge funds they get paid whether they're losing money or getting money because the people who invest with them pay them and they just keep that no matter what happens to the money that's getting invested. So they get their salary. (laughs) They get their salaries. Exactly. You don't get a salary when you're investing your own money. They Mm -hmm. do. So even, even that $3.8 billion that they lost, they're still Mm -hmm. making something from all the people who have paid them. Mm. Unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> but is. uh totally totally our system right now do you um uh ryan do you think if you were able to make some reforms in the system that were beneficial to the average person um you know other than saying well we have these rules already why don't you enforce them fbi or you know who who is responsible right uh, that would be the sec but yeah SEC. i mean at the end of the day, reforms don't matter if, if nothing is enforced, right? The SEC will go after the little guy, um, but rarely do they go after the big guys. Um, so I, how I do we get them to, 
to do their job? And what um, what punishment can they give anyway? Can they put them in jail? Yes, or fine. Yeah, I think uh, actually there's a there's a member of Wall Street that's that famously faked an SEC filing, and uh, he got thrown into prison, I believe. So uh, <laughs> so they they do they can do that. Um, but uh, I just want to go back really quick, uh, Sheridan. Uh, for the third time, you have mentioned something about with if Wall Street bets uh, had guts, they would do something. And one of the things I got to say as someone who is an erstwhile member of Wall Street Bets is that um, I think it takes guts to stick to the discipline of um, avoiding the definition of market manipulation and just letting the data, the good data win and individually deciding uh, to follow the good data, um, to what extent to follow the good data, uh, making their own decisions and uh, just trusting that everyone else is you know, making their own decisions and following the data and if the data works out then everybody wins uh rather than you know doing what somebody tells you because um i mean that's just that's how most people invest right most people they'll go to a hedge fund to have someone manage their money they'll they'll invest in etfs this that and the other um and if if for example wall street bets became some kind of you know big institution that had a leader in a central mind this that and the other it would, it would eventually become one of the very problems that it was uh, formed to solve. Uh, you you just can't avoid it with that. The struggle story. of capital and labor. Do, does institutions have the proper resources, the proper people, and the proper direction and momentum to make what it, the market needs happen? That's the point of the free market. And I would love to see if Wall Street Bets actually formalized as a real financial advice institution to make these big plays. But they probably won't. Should Wall Street Bets be legal? Oh, yeah, 100%. They've done nothing wrong. They actually exposed major criminal action. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's nothing illegal about it. And the community has been very, very good about policing itself um, as far as illegal activity goes and educating each other. So, oh, that was another thing that you did mention that um, the particular um, the accusations made by Discord about, you know, really some sort of bad behaviors uh, having to do with, I don't know, sounded like racism was one of the charges or you know these these types of things you don't feel that there was any proof of it and it it didn't actually happen well um you know the article that was linked to me says that the verge looked into this and you know we we have seen that there's evidence of these accusations there's no evidence actually supplied and mm-hmm. when you have a community that at this point there are 4.1 million subscribers uh to wall street bets right um and we have seen um, I mean, I speaking as an individual member who reads reads the Reddit, uh, I have seen that there have, there have been concentrated efforts by people who are either sympathetic to the hedge funds side or paid off to try to confuse the community or to try to spread fear and doubt in the community or try to misdirect the community. Um, given what I have seen from my own personal interactions in the Discord, um, it would it would surprise it would not surprise me. Uh, to find out that some people were paid to plant um, some unsavory uh, messages. And again, I haven't seen any myself. 
Um, and in that article where they were saying, oh, yeah, we saw evidence, this, that, and the other, they didn't, even, they didn't even put any of that evidence in the article. So to me, it's a little tasteless uh, to go along with an article like that and, and to help cast aspersions on this community. Because uh, what I've seen from this community, for the most part, is something that is really incredible, right? They've democratized uh, financial research. Um, they they actually, despite the the way they like talk, like some people could get off put by the fact that they call each themselves like retarded or autistic, that kind of thing. And I, I totally get that. But if you actually look at what they're saying to each other, they're giving each other really good advice, telling each other to be responsible. Uh, right, they're giving each other good data. They're putting a lot of effort in, and 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 stuff like that. Like the quality of the community is is very high, in my opinion. Okay, um, I wanted to introduce everyone to someone who is here from our uh, Twitch chat. Um, invited them to join us because, um, well, at their behest. So, would you like to introduce yourself? Go ahead and unmute. Yeah. Oh, I'm just George. I just came to chat. That's all. Hi, George. How's nice going? to have a name. <laughs> so uh you were following along and uh do you, what was it that you wanted to um you know int- also speak about with us oh no i was just i was just really interested because i was kind of in the same boat as everybody else kind of going what the heck is going on <laughs> like i was kind of lost so i'm i'm intrigued to learn because it's all new to me so i it's it's a great conversation that's all okay thank you for cool. joining us and oh um, yeah thanks uh, for having me Feel free to feel free to unmute and talk whenever you feel you know comfortable. Oh yeah, sure. Thanks. Yeah. I thought you so, said you were from Georgia. Oh. <laughs> well, to uh, Ryan's point, I was the one that shared that Verge article, and I shared it uh, specifically because of it had the uh, proper quote from the uh, Discord chat for WSB, and you can really read it in the text that they provide that they. That it, it's a lax, lackluster defense to provide an understatement. Uh, they say it was uh, golden in the uh, chat room, which is obviously like who describes a chat as golden? It's just yeah. All the the uh, way that the uh, defense was described was very um, disheartening and not exactly like uh, specific on what their concerns were. If they had said we think that this may be a coordinated effort or that there are some unsavory characters or that we are uh, still unfamiliar with catching all unmoderated content or if they'd worked closer with Discord because Discord had said that this had been going on for months. So yes, they could have had some people that were in in that uh, channel in bad faith and or being paid to be malignant they as moderators could have absolutely controlled the situation but they chose not to and it could be decentralization but it still goes against discord's mandates yeah so i just gotta say that um you know you have you have the right to your opinion um i disagree and i think that uh seeing choosing to find these ways to see a community in that particular light uh when at large that community has demonstrated a lot of extreme positivity that i have not seen anywhere else like there have been so many threads of people um talking about what they've done to share the uh to to share the gains from this event within their own community 
and spread the wealth, uh, to teach each other how to achieve financial independence, um, to teach each other, uh, like, you know, these skills, the knowledge, how to be responsible to provide each other with good research and data that normally you would have to pay for. Um, I mean, to me, trying to use something that I would consider to be a weak argument to find, a, to cast a negative light on a community that I've seen so much positivity out of is, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, well, the other thing on. is oh. you're part of this community. You, it's not like you're just an outside observer. Like you've I been in it to. and experiencing it for a while. I don't yeah. mean to cast a uh, negative light on the community. I love the community. I love this activism. This is what capitalism was made for to overthrow the monarchy, to overthrow the centralized power. But it you just is don't like not, the statement they issued because they didn't they don't talk the way you like and, and I understand. No, no, no. It's not it's not that. It's that if a private company like Discord has tried for months to work with a group that foregoes solid leadership, then it is the leadership's fault for giving that community a bad image, not the community. The well, I think the, the I think the main uh, difference of opinion here might be that you know that Sheridan is sort of a kind of a, believes the the uh, official line from Discord, whereas uh, you know I think Ryan is saying that having been in the community himself, he believes that this is not um, a, a an honest uh, you know assessment of what happened uh also what i wanted to know was isn't wall street bets originally a reddit group and that reddit group is still fine yes i mean it comes down to an issue of uh, the policy between reddit and discord um in this case it seems like discord wanted to be safe uh i mean i don't know i'm not going to speculate on why they decided to take this action um Uh i think that uh yeah so like discord I, I i don't yeah so I'm saying, like, if even if Discord were to try to, uh, you know, stop their Discord activities, uh, they're still right. able to meet in their original, you know, location, uh, if you can call it that. <laughs> that their well, the I mean, group has Discord been disbanded. Uh huh. Right. Well, well, it was a very useful tool. It was a different format, right? Like, you know, the Yang Yang Roundtable uh, meeting on Reddit, like having its own subreddit, is a very different purpose than this this Discord uh, server. And um, there was not, I mean, I didn't see any evidence of this being, having been an issue for months either, right? Despite Mm -hmm. the official line. So this goes back to a conversation that we've been having as a society ever since uh, Parler was deplatformed by the CDN Amazon and uh, and Trump was banned from Twitter, Facebook and everything else, right? A lot of Mm -hmm. people like Angela Merkel of of Germany, uh, the president of Mexico, a lot of people, uh, a dissident, uh, a Russian dissident today, um, so many people have been coming out and saying that uh, big tech has too much power uh, and it can arbitrarily decide like who, who to do platform for what basis, right? They don't have to put any evidence out that this community actually did or said these things that have been going on for months, this, that, and the other. They just, um, they just do it and then you either buy the line or you say, okay, well, as a private company, they can do whatever they want. Okay, well, hedge funds are private companies, right? So should they be allowed to naked short? Um, pharmaceutical companies are private companies, right? Should well, they be allowed to set whatever so prices they want? So this is actually a very uh, uniquely American thing with free speech. Uh, I yeah. definitely <laughs> toe the line with media companies because media companies are private companies. If the government truly, if the people 
truly feel that there needs to be a central, balanced, equal voice for every person that every person can access, then there needs to be greater funding in public journalism like PBS. But the fact is, there isn't. So it is up to private companies to provide their own directive. Even even PBS really isn't all that public owned. I mean, it's, you know, there's got corporate sponsors. <laughs> so oh, yeah. There's way what's more public than, let's say, to... Discord. <laughs> well, but then what's the avenue we must go down to correct these wrongs? I mean, I like actionable solutions. I just feel like there's not a lot of uh, solutions presented, nor well, uh, a path to follow. I put, so this, I, I'm running for Congress, and I do think that there is something Congress can do to at least provide some semblance of balance, and that is to reenact the fairness doctrine from the 1960s, which mandated that major cable news stations had to provide equal time or equal voices on specific uh, controversial issues. And I think that would be a great first step in providing more balance in our public narrative. Well, I don't really agree with that necessarily, because I don't think um, every side is always equal. And so equal time is always... When I talk about controversial, I mean like the ones that we would consider equal enough. Well, I mean, it would have to be something where, you know... I don't know <laughs> that this is a this is a topic that might be a little bit too big to address now. You know, so late at night. Um, I wanted to go back to the. <laughs> I want to go back to the Wall Street bets uh, community, right? I think that it's going to survive this Discord issue because they have, according to Reddit, four point one million degenerates <laughs> over there, and five hundred thirteen k buying FDs. What are FDs? Um, financial derivatives. Um, they're okay. essentially short dated contracts that are generally have a very low uh, chance of being profitable. But because of this situation, um, market mechanics are causing the price to spike very consistently. Um, these financial derivatives, which are usually considered no better than a lottery ticket, are actually turning out to be consistently profitable. Uh, but it's an anomalous situation. All right. And uh, I noticed they haven't taken down their Discord uh, yet from the Reddit, <laughs> even though the yeah. Discord has uh, taken them down. Uh, but yeah. according to them, they had about 250,000 people gathered on Discord, which is a pretty big Discord group, um, but not nearly you know, the number that have gathered at the Reddit. And so hopefully, you know, that it's not that they have no, you know, ways of, getting together and discussing things and supporting each other. So I feel pretty good about that at least. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you know, this is, this is something where people are going to differ. I know Faye was saying that, you know, there's like solutions oriented this, that, and the other, but uh, uh, the solution here is going to depend on the perspective of the person, right? Because for example, uh, Sheridan doesn't think that there's an issue with uh, social media companies being able to deplatform communities and uh, not have to give a certain standard of uh, evidence, right? You, they just say that this happened and you have to accept it. Um, a lot of work can go into building a community, whether or not it was a small fraction of the, you know, the user base, right? And, um, you know, as a private company, uh, it is, uh, you know, it's a free service. 
Um, but these are the ways that we communicate now primarily. Like most of us here don't watch the news. Um, and especially with lockdowns, right? This is how we keep in touch with each other. So, I mean, again, the solutions are going to depend on your perspective. If you think well, it's it, fine. It's like yeah. veto power, right? If I'm on yeah. a, a network and I like being on a forum because I want to help uh, protect women or something, and I speak mm. up against uh, what the actual platform is doing. Uh, I mean, this is just an example that actually happened to me. So um, I, I used to be a professional cuddle buddy. And so I would actively put in messages on how to protect women uh, with like language and how to like do all this stuff to like empower them and consent. Right. And as I was investigating other people, I found out there was a lot of violations and they only had two male moderators on the website. Right. And so mm -hmm. then I ended up making a big stink that this platform was all across the whole world and they only had two male moderators and there was a significant amount of um, trauma occurring. Next thing you know, within at least a month, I got let go and all the people, all the contacts I created, um, people who I wanted to empower by giving them a voice, uh, cut off veto, right? And this platform had all of that and I couldn't even fight against it. And now I have not just lost uh, the ability to have speech, but I lost connections to real people that I cared about. And that's the only way I knew how to find them. And I think that is a big deal, especially with this discord issue that we're talking about. That's exactly what's happened is they've vetoed your community and you're just, what, what are you supposed to do? And I agree that that is a hard reality, but it comes down to, you need to think about if Facebook is going to create its own court to adjudicate these issues, or if we have to rely on the actual legal system that we already have in place to properly adjudicate these. Uh, what state were you in? Because most have right-to-work laws that unfortunately protect employers so that they can just fire anyone they want for any reason. Platform that spanned the whole world, and I was traveling, so it's not like, I mean, I was nomadic. and I mean, like... When where they were specifically incorporated, where you're incorporated is where uh, you're a different country, up. I think. Well, depending on the country, you can't you should have some uh, workers protections that you can take them to court about if you yes, uh, but not if you're broke and you know only yes, you must have true. money <laughs> to go to that's, court. That's true. And that's <laughs> why we're here fighting for basic income because our systems are inaccessible <laughs> to poor people because they literally cut off my income and I had no income. And I was in a state that I didn't know anybody, you know, and, and you know, this is a community. When they talked about this, it was a community of, you know, it's a community forum, right? But we as content creators are not only participating in forums like, you know, Discord, but also we actually create content that has to, you know, that rests with like YouTube and uh, Spotify and um, Twitch and anchor.fm. Like we have our, you know, show put together in different ways and recorded and, you know, kept on servers in different places. Um, and if any of these platforms were to suddenly decide, oh, well, you know, there was somebody who maybe cursed too much or somebody who said something inflammatory or tried to give some financial advice when they're not, when it's not, not allowed, um, then they can, you know, try to punish us or just simply say, well, you know, we don't need this podcast, so we'll just take oh, it away. Yeah, actually, um, mm -hmm. Roberto Blake actually made a video about this where he said everybody now needs like a website 
or special hosting where you can like tell your audience to go over there because right now what's happening that's so volatile even if you do have an account and even if you are kind of like you know showing your stuff even if you're not outright banned they can like hide your stuff the algorithm can make sure that like somebody doesn't get your no notifications somebody doesn't know what you put out or or what you wanted so so everybody who if you're not doing it as a hobby and you want to grow it into like a message or a business have somewhere on something you need to pay most likely but where you control the flow and you know that they just can't take it away from you either at a wix site or a squarespace or something like that because seriously like the the big players they can just say like ah eh, you're not important anymore bye and all of that audience you spent so much time accumulating poof if you didn't get any kind of email list is the best email list so that's what i got to say that's like a whole learning curve right there. I mean, if you if you don't know technology and you just spent all of what you had mental bandwidth on learning this one platform, because maybe you're older, maybe you're busy. Now you have to what learn and start again. You know, it, it's like every it, everything crumbles. And you're right, an email list would be great, but then you have yeah. to use another platform, and then that's exhaustive. And then if they keep yeah. doing that, you're canceled. You know, that's. So wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was so, this so wrong on so many levels. I mean, like how how this is happening. I mean, we need to lobby for like a people's uh, platform and stuff like that. That's not connected to like big anything. But I don't know how, how we're going to get that. Maybe Sheridan can help when he when he finally gets in. You can bring this up. I'd love to bring all of this up on a floor debate and have it with like all the progressive members of the house. Cause there are some we'll be... really good opportunities for getting real solutions, at least talked about. Yeah. We're going to be live with Sheridan as he announces his, uh, his campaign this coming Saturday. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the next is Saturday, February be... 6th is when I'm oh, going next... to with, uh, okay. the gang gang round table. Okay. We have another guest this Saturday. That's right. Um, so thank you for being so patient, Sheridan. I'm sure you'll be even more prepared with that extra oh, time. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's <laughs> rolling up. I'm getting daily hits. So, you know, people are at least responding to my message. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, the, pro the question that we're looking at is very complicated and sometimes it gets very, um, you know, political when we talk about everybody's talking about when everybody was talking about Trump, you know, being banned from, from, um, you know, Twitter, I think most of us here at the podcast were just pretty much thankful to not have to hear from him <laughs> at yeah. two or three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I mean, it was just a personal thing. It but now that we're talking about, that. yeah, but if we talk about something that you care about, right. something that well, you're that's actually the thing, like Trump, you know, has ways of, you know, he, he has all these like aids and a phone book and he's a boomer and everything. So if he's banned from all kinds of like digital technology, there's still the contact list on his phone and all of these people that he knows. But when we're talking about like someone who's, let's say they're 13 or 15 years old and their best friends are through like Facebook or Twitter 
and they lose like access to them and they have no other way of getting back in touch and they've built like deep relationships with them, it can be devastating. It can be really devastating. You know. Yeah, but for no. someone like Trump, a public official who has access to millions yeah. of people's minds, they need to be deplatformed when they're inciting violence. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I completely what I'm agree. That's, There's that's... a different scale here, but I think it comes down to funding. Like right, the IRS yeah, no. after poor people mainly because they are broke as shit. I I get it. I get it. No, no, no. Trump, of course. Like, you can't you can't be spreading these kinds of messages to thousands and thousands of people. I'm just talking about, like, the, the, the people who need the most help and the people who are the most disenfranchised, where they can't even afford a phone bill, and their main method of getting through to their friends could be social media. You never know. And then that just, poof, disappears, and they're they're left with nothing. You know, that's... That's not right. That's that's okay. like for the most vulnerable, we need something in place. But but with um, Trump, yeah. Yeah. So when we start when we start talking about things that we really care about, communities that we actually belong to, then now oh, we've got to talk about okay, um, what should we have some standards? And if we do have some standards, who should be the arbiter of these standards? Should it be each company gets to make up their own standards and then they they are the arbiters also and they they're the judge and the jury and the you know they make all the decisions or do we all have a say in some of these corporations even though you know they're they are private corporations but their um corporation and their money and their wealth and all of the things that they are is built up by humans like us who who participate in it there has to be for sure there has to be a a social media public option i think that's the best idea somewhere Um, where like that 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 can compete with the private ones where you know what your rights are and they're not private like but since our dumb government is so behind the curb and like technology i think that would have been a great idea if yang could say like this is your social media public option and like it's free and you don't need to pay for oh, okay. it so it could be I'm like- understanding you now what you're saying is uh, leave the private corporations be how they do it themselves right now but then also have a public option and how about you Ryan I hear you trying to chime in here oh i was just going to say um uh we're getting onto a topic that uh i'm uh, that's kind of beyond what i came here to talk about so i was wondering if you guys any last questions about the uh the holding stop thing or it's probably best if I take off. Okay. Um, well, we might be wrapping up anyway. So, what do you? Oh. Um, does anybody have a last question or last um, discussion about the GameStop issue? I have um, kind of. Uh, so, <sighs> if what is the red flag we should be looking for if bad behavior starts, uh, or like if if something is going south? What like kind of caution do we need to practice if we do see? Um, things turning to a more, uh, I don't know, not a, not a good turn in your opinion, Ryan. Um, so if you see regulation coming down the line, if you see a lot of news media uh, saying, oh, you know, rampant retail investors irresponsibly use leverage options, this, that, and the other, and we need to regulate the markets. So, you know, pensions, this and that aren't affected. Um, then that's something to pay attention to uh, because even if you don't believe that you want to invest um, for yourself, which is fine, um, a lot of people uh, 
uniquely in America have access to an opportunity with investments to work up from almost nothing to being uh, to to being able to benefit uh, with with the prosperity of these companies. Right, uh, anyone can do it. There's uh, there's plenty of stories of people just studying really hard and working really hard um, and day trading themselves from like five hundred a thousand dollars all the way to millions. Um, and so if if off the back of this event, um, you know, Wall Street, big money is out for blood and they try to push for regulations to make that harder, uh, whether or not you personally think that it's going to affect you, um, it is absolutely something that you should fight against because um, it is one of the rare opportunities that is available to us as Americans to have class mobility, no matter how we started out. And you may actually want to take advantage of that at some point in the future yourself, right? You never know. Um, that is, uh, I mean, without that, there's going to be one huge less way uh, to climb the ladder in this country. Yeah, this isn't just about class solidarity. This is about having class mobility. Yeah, there's a reason why uh, billionaires like Elon Musk and Shamath um, have publicly lent their voice to this. Um, is because, uh, like, you know, in Shamath's case, he his first job was at Burger King. Um, and now he's like a billionaire, right? He, he knows what it's like to work his way up. And he, he understands how important it is for the little guy to have options um, so that they can, you know, uh, gain capital if they choose. And, uh, you know, there is a, and there's a new wave of investments or investing strategy uh, there's a woman named Kathy Wood who's become a hit in the finance world. And her whole thing with ARK Investments is invest in things and direct capital into things that will change the world and make it a better place, right? And so by investing, you can literally vote with your dollar to help build the world you want to live in, right? There, You can you can do political activism, as you're seeing now very clearly. You can do financial activism. Um, so by helping to maintain uh, that that ladder up, uh, for us in America, I mean, that that's going to be hugely important, especially if, uh, depending on how this GameStop situation plays out, uh, the people may realize, oh, all we have to do is study and uh, pay attention to the market, and uh, we can make money, and then we can influence how things go, and we can actually start to control back our power. Like we were, uh, like Andrew Yang was talking about how if we all had what was it, a uh, uh, hundred dollars a year or uh, $250 a year, something like that. We had uh, money that we can only contribute toward a campaign. We could essentially buy back power from Wall Street. Well, this what is he was talking us. about was uh, democracy dollars, and I, democracy dollars, I fight yeah. that very hard, because I, I agree with Citizens United. Companies are people. They have their own wants and their own needs that are separate from their employers, their shareholders, and even their board members. But... By making that decision, the Supreme Court gagged Americans because most Americans don't have money to make their voice heard. Right. Um, and so uh, the reason it's so important to protect uh, class mobility in the form of uh, investment tools for the average American is because, sure, you know, we can make things better for people with political reform. Um, but political reform takes a lot of time. Uh, generally, it, it takes generations. And um, one, one way that a, a person can change their life completely um, in their own lifetime uh, and change the prospects of their future generations and their families is to use the markets uh, and the tools that are available uniquely to Americans uh, to make a better future for themselves and the people around them.
Um, so yeah, like you're asking what to look for as far as red flags. If they're calling for regulation and trying to blame it on the little guy, um, you know, you got to remember this situation only happened between uh, because uh, Wall Street big money uh, was uh, flouting the law. They were doing illegal things. And, uh, you know, if they are able to push through regulations, they're going to do even more illegal things and we're all going to suffer for it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on our show tonight at short notice. And thanks, everybody, the regular speakers who showed up very quickly and um, in time for us to actually talk about something that was, you know, happening right this moment. Um, thank you, George, for j- dropping in and coming uh, into our Discord. Maybe you will find uh, other programs here. Every Thursday, we try to put the schedule in for the coming weekend. So on Thursday, we'll have a schedule for um, usually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, I think we're going to skip Friday this week because of um, us uh, putting in the time today. So um, thanks to all the listeners. Um, I'd like to invite um, the regular speakers to give um, your social media information so people can find you again. I know Ryan can be found at uh, the Reddit group, right? <laughs> so if you want to <laughs> have a conversation, you can go to the Reddit group. Um, it's called Wall Street Bets. Is that correct? Yeah, Reddit Wall Street Bets. It's fun place. Okay. So um, why don't we start with Faye Doni? Hello, hello. Uh, my name is Faye Doni, and you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok at Tizdoni, T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y. Um, I'm about to go on a really long, fun adventure, uh, so come check it out if you're interested in uh, seeing things on the ground level, because I'm going to try and make sure I take footage and post footage of uh, you know, what I see with my actual eyeballs and not just what you find on the news media. I was very impressed with your uh, press pass, citing yeah. Yang being roundtable. <laughs> oh, nice. It should be here tomorrow, I think. Very so. nice. All right. No, I did not um, know about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sheridan? Yes, thank you so much, uh, Ryan, for coming on and having this wonderful discussion about financial markets. It's always such a wonderful time to talk about interesting financial phenomena. Uh, I feel like uh, back when the oil uh, spike happened and uh, you were able to get paid for picking up oil for a uh, short time. So uh, thank you all again uh, for this wonderful conversation. Uh, If anyone wants to help change this politically, because I do know political change is long, as Ryan alluded to, check out lund2022.com in a couple years. I am going to Congress to get you $2,000 a month cash from the government, not from a financial bubble. All right. Very good. My name is Fei Ku, and you can find me on Twitter at Palestine Math, P-A-L-E-S-T-I-N-E-M-A-T-H. Make America think harder. All right. And Ariel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my name is Ariel. You can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash revolutionary thinking. And uh, I'm also on Twitter as Ariel's Ariel's. Thank you. Ryan, did you want to uh, say any last words before Shale closes us out? Oh, no, I just want to say, yeah, thanks guys so much for having me for this discussion. I hope you guys got something uh, useful out of it. Yeah, I did. It was a very <laughs> good discussion. I'm really glad right. we got this in uh, before any kind of spin could happen right during the events with a first-hand source. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. And um, yeah, thank you again. Uh, you know, it's really good to, to to talk to people from all over, all different kinds of people. 
brought together by basic income advocacy. So it's good. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank thanks for talking. Thanks for listening. This was very, very exciting. So we'll see you Saturday because we're skipping tomorrow because we did this. Inside. So have a good Friday. Bye.